He's talking to the Hebrews, of course, but he says, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are wretched, stirred in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. And what he did, he said he was in a small group. And he just started saying, uh, you know, uh, uh, I forget exactly how he put it, but you know, we got a crowd here. And people were saying, well, there's empty pews and so forth. But he said, no, you look at this. We're in the company, the church of the firstborn, that's us, Jesus Christ. But uh, the church of the the firstborn are worshiping together with innumerable company of angels. I wish I'd seen that when we were studying angels. But you know, the angels are worshiping with us. And so we got quite a crowd. We know there's millions of them. Maybe the Lord put off 100,000 for us tonight, especially with a lot more uh, churches not having Wednesday night services. Maybe they got teamed up on angels and they changed churches or whatever. But uh, that's a real blessing to me to know that, uh, you know, that God in heaven, and we want to practice the presence of God knowing that we're not alone. And so as we turn back to the book of Hebrew, of, uh, of Psalms now, uh, we look at Psalm 119. And like as many times as we've gone through these Psalms, I've hit snags where there's just something that I want to park there for a while. Um, and Psalm 119 is no different. I've studied it like a lot of other people have. And that is... Uh, just looking at the eight words that, you know, the law and so forth. And it seems to be very redundant. And he's just going through it. But then I started studying people that really studied it. And my, you can make a message out of all 22 sections. And there's verses just are apropos in each one of those sections. And of course, we do the, the, the book of Psalm, the Psalm 119 is um, patterned after the alphabet. Uh, the 22 letters in the alphabet, we have an acrostic. It begins Aleph, Beth, Dim, uh, Gimel, which will be on the night. But uh, each one of those verses and each one of those sections begins with the corresponding letter. Like uh, Aleph, or let's just say A, uh, all the verses in the first section, verse, first eight verses, were started with A. And Beth would be the second. And then Gimel, I guess, would be like Gamma or whatever for, um, for Greek. But uh, we see that all the letters would begin with that same uh, Hebrew letter. And yet with this now, we see that he is, he's really, and it looks disconnected until you really get into it. And that's what I've been studying. It, he, he weaves a pattern. And he uses these eight words over and over again. We've gone through like 25 times for one, 21 times for the other. But, uh, and each one of them has specific meanings. But um, each one of these passages is a study and meditation on itself of what the Word of God should do for us. And last week, of course, well, let's just begin in chapter, uh, Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the uh, undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his commandments, who seek him with the whole heart. 
They also do no iniquity. They walk in his way. So there's the Beatitudes, the happy. If you really want to love the Lord is get into his word. And yet in this, we're going to see that he really pours his heart out. And we'll see that in Gimel, what we'll be looking at tonight. And yet he's saying, this is the way to happiness. So the way to happiness is to really cling to God through the problems of life. And that's the reason I've titled uh, this section 17 through 24, Gimel, as a, a passion for God in the problems of life. Because problems pass, but God doesn't. Uh, as I had a good friend one time just said, uh, when he knew I was going through some trouble, he just said, this too shall pass. And that's, you know, in the Bible. So there again, this too will pass, but God will never pass. He's always with us. But um, a passion for God and clinging to him through thick and thin. And so he says, you have commanded uh, your, pre uh, your precept, you, uh, excuse me, you have commanded us, verse four, to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed when I look into all your commandments. I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn of your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes Oh, forsake me not utterly. So he's made a commitment now. I'm going to praise God and I'm going to keep my mind on you, Lord. And he's going to go through and we're going to see this man's a very troubled man. And even he says, oh, forsake me not uh, utterly. Uh, there's a note of desperation there. There's a note, I really need you at this time, Lord. I really uh, need you to prove yourself strong. And so he said, but I'm going to hold on to your work. And notably, if this psalm was written uh, after the children of Israel found the Bible or the, the, uh, the writings of Moses and the law um, during the time of Hezekiah uh, or during the, after the Babylonian captivity when they didn't have it. And of course, the Bible tells us that they started reading it and they just wept because they hadn't heard it in so long and realized just how far away they were from God. Well, this would kind of fit into that pattern. Lord, I, I realize and uh, on you, I really need your word. I really need to think your thoughts. And I'm going to think your thoughts by knowing your word because your word is God breathed. You gave it to us. You revealed yourself in your will and your ways to us. Now, in, in the uh, sex, next section, of course, verse 9 he says, how can a man cleanse his way? There again, by taking heed to the what? To the word of God, not by doing good or beating yourself on the back or whatever, but it's the word, the word, the word. Uh, by taking heed according to your word, uh, with my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So there again, that, that desire not only to know it, but to live it to get it deep into my mind and thought, life. Verse 7, or verse 12, he says, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So there's that hunger. My lips I have declared, um, with my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. In other words, um, whatever you say is good and your judgments are always, always right. Your discerning power of what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. Your judgments are perfect. He says, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. Oh, as much as, as in all the riches I meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. 
And notice how many times he says, I will delight, I will delight, I want, I want to keep your statutes, I want to delight in them. So remember what the Bible says over in Psalm 37, what, uh, where he says, delight thyself in the ways of the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So when I really decide I'm going to get into the word and I'm going to love it and commit myself to it, then God promises a great reward. Now, in uh, Gimel, we see another section and we see this same passion, but now he's starting to address it to certain things. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, uh, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt. I have kept your testimonies. Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And so it looks like this, this is disjointed and that he is just saying, Lord, help me again. But you really start diving into it and you see how that he weaves thoughts of scripture all the way through here. Deal bountifully. Now, how often do we go to the Lord and just say, Lord, help me, rather than, Lord, I really pour out your blessings upon me. We can, we can pray boldly, can't we? Lord, I really need to see your blessings. And sometimes, Lord, if I don't see your blessings, I'm not sure I'll see any of them at all. And so it's a situation, Lord, I really need to see you pour out your, your uh, I need to communicate with you, Lord. I really need to get a hold of you. And so that's basically, he says, and so the scope is abundant blessings. Above all that I ask or think, uh, I have not seen nor ear heard what God has in store for those who love him. So Lord, if that's the truth, then let me find out. I mean, I need those bountiful blessings. It's not enough that uh, so-and-so in church has them and they seem to be happy all the time. I need to see them. I need to see that abundant blessing. It's one thing for me to go and hear everybody else say, praise the Lord. And it's another thing for me, from my heart and the world, to say, praise the Lord. And so again, we see that he says, deal bountifully, the scope is abundant. The submission with thy servant. And again, we see over 13 times he uses that term in this psalm. And your servant. So we see submission. I am your servant. I, you are my God. You are my leader. I committed my life to you. And of course, you think about that, even though Eli was a, a very weak priest, he did give sage advice to young Samuel. Remember, he told Samuel that the next time that he thought he heard the Lord's voice, voice say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so, and there again, sometimes, and I see this in the book of, uh, of uh, Song of Solomon, where the bride, uh, the groom is coming, and he speaks to her, but she says, not now, I've got, I'm sleepy or whatever. And then when she gets up, he's gone. And it's kind of like, you know, there are certain times that, I mean, you're going to miss the moment. You got to grasp the moment. And sometimes whenever we sense that God is speaking to us, oh, Lord, I'll, I'll get it later. Sometimes maybe we, maybe we need to just stop and listen. 
and speak now, Lord. I mean, I'm sensing something is going on in my life. I need, I need you. And obviously, I want to wait on you. And so, again, it's the idea of submission. And then uh, this is something that God will always be pleased with, with your motive. And the motive, of course, is that I may live and I want that abundant life. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Now, Lord, that's a verse, but I want to believe. I want to know it. I want to know what you mean by that personally. It's not enough for me to hear the preacher say it or, uh, you know, uh, we sing it or whatever else. But I want to experience that abundant life. What do you mean by that? You, if you didn't mean it, you wouldn't have said it. So what does that abundant life mean to me? That, I have, that you have come. And he says, that I may live, so I want the abundant life. I want to do the rest of these things because of my motive, and that is to keep your word. Now God, okay, Lord, you show me the way and I'll walk in it. Now that's a good commitment, isn't it? Now, if God tells you to walk in it, then don't lie to him. But if it's a commitment, Lord, whatever you show me, I'll do. And you just think about um, what God says uh, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of center of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is, is a discerner, discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So God already knows your intents. You can't lie to it. But a commitment and say, Lord, and I've done this, I said, Lord, you know I want to follow you, but I'm not sure I'm willing in all areas, so I'm willing to be made willing. Sometimes you just have to uh, be honest with the Lord. Lord, I'm not sure even my own heart right now, but I'm willing to be made willing if you'll show me the path to walk in. And so, first of all, the th my intents, Lord, I want my intents to be your intents. But sometimes I, I, my heart is so desperately wicked, I can't even know it. So Lord, straighten me out through your word, and that's what we'll see in this passage. So I'd got to have your word to get my thoughts straightened out. But then in verse 16, of course, of that psalm, or of, of uh, Hebrews 4, uh, he does say, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain grace to help, to help to obtain mercy and grace to help in the time of need. So Lord, I can come boldly before you. I can ask boldly for your abundant blessings. I could ask, Lord, that you deal bountifully with me because you tell me to ask you that. And whenever you know that God has t told you how to pray, then you know you're praying in God's will. Right? So if God's told you what to do and you do it, then you're praying and you're, you're doing God's will. So if we pray, if we come boldly, now not brashly, Remember, we're the servant. He's the master. And we don't command God from heaven. And some people, I you know, command Jesus. No, we don't command the Lord Jesus to do anything other than to be real to us and show his promises to us. That we may, and there's the commitment. If you'll show him, Lord, I'll, I'll do it. Now, God loves them because I was praying. And he loves that kind of commitment. He doesn't like the idea, well, Lord, if uh, you'll do this, I'll do this. Or, no. Whatever you do, Lord, I, I want your will for my life. And so we see that he's really, um, a sub, we call this supplication. It's not just a request. It's a really getting, Lord, I'm getting into this. I'm praying about it. I'm really passionately pouring out my heart. That's supplication more than just asking. 
And so he's saying, Lord, I need work in my life. And then we see he prays for revelation. And notice the things he prays for. He says, open mine eyes that I may, be, may, want, may see, see wondrous things from your law. And remember what we said about law. Law did not mean just the writings of Moses, but many times it's used in the Old Testament as the entire word of God as they had it back then. And so <clears throat> he's saying, open my eyes. And that's, uh, the, you know, reveal yourself to me. And this word comes from the same word where God opened Balaam's eyes. Now, of course, God opened Balaam's eyes for just for a flash, you know, let him see that, you know, the angel was standing there about ready to kill him. But uh, and then you think about uh, Elisha, and he's, uh, he is uh, surrounded by the Syrians, and they're trying to kill him because he's letting the king know the ways of God, and he's revealing to, to the king what's happening with the Syrians by the voice of God. And the Syrians started getting a hold of this, and they tried to get rid of him. And so he was surrounded by them one time when he was out on the road, and, uh, or on the mountain, I think. And um, the servant says, you know, we're going to get killed. And he said, uh, and, the, and Elisha prayed, Lord, let this my servant see what I see. You remember, there, there are those heavenly hosts all around. Those angels, heavenly hosts. Now, God doesn't show us those, but I do want to sense that they're here. Don't you? I want to, I want to you know, uh, open my eyes now. The, the idea here is a spiritual discernment. The word wondrous, remember we talked about that Sunday morning. His name is wonderful. And wonderful really comes from a word uh, which uh, his original intent or meaning even in English is something that is so big that only it can only be explained as an act of God. I mean... You think about your body, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, they can't figure out how we made because it's, it's so, I mentioned how that uh, the ophthalmologist that I went to is studying, especially, I said, I thought you were already special, specialized in ophthalmology, but she said there's six different areas of ophthalmology that are specialties. I'm going, wow, that's just the eye. Think about your nervous system, your gastric system, your, you know, I went to... <laughs> I went to the podiatrist back uh, several weeks ago and uh, just to have a checkup because of diabetes. And I just said, showed her a little thing on my, and I just said, you know, I got a little stick there and I can't get rid of it. She said, I can't say anything about it. I said, wait a minute, it, you, know, <laughs> you know, if you deal with my toe, can't you deal with my finger? And no, uh, but then she went ahead and she said, do this and it'll take care of it. And I said, okay, so, but you know, it's off the record. But on the record, she couldn't do anything. And so, again, I mean, just how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. And then when you think about, Lord, show me the wondrous things. That, and, of course, the Bible tells us the natural man can't receive them because they are an act of God. The natural man receiveth not the things of God, for they are spiritually discerned. And so we see that God is the one, through his word, who reveals his secrets to those who will come and meditate on him and his word. It's the Lord, show me, open mine eyes, show me great things, the wondrous things out of your law. I need to see, Lord. And this is what, where we see people, and you, we wonder about certain people at times, but um, when you know a person's really in the word, 
they have spiritual insights that the common man doesn't have, or even the common Christian. And the deeper that we get into the word, and the more that we really are praying and seeking God's mind through the word, Lord, reveal yourself to me. And the more, every little increment that he, that he shows himself to us helps us to grow. And all of a sudden, tribulation worketh experience and experience. Well, tribulation worketh patience and patience experience, so forth. But all of a sudden, and I, there again, talking to the people I'm discipling and just saying, you know, uh, there are certain verses that just jump out at you and they just meet a certain need at a certain time because you've gone to the Lord and you've been praying. And all of a sudden, either through the preaching or through your own Bible reading or study, something just jumps and you know it's God speaking to you. You don't forget those times. And now if they happened every day, you'd be too scrambled in your mind. But, uh, uh, but there are several. Now, when I say several, what happens is I can't remember them all now, but at times, whenever I need them again, they come back up. Why? Because the Spirit brings them back up. Remember, meditation is, is chewing the cud over and over again. And so it's amazing what God does as he shows us things that only he can show us, wondrous things out of his law. Oh, oh, I memorized this verse, but it didn't really mean anything to me. Whop, until the Holy Spirit applied it to my heart until God spoke to me through that. Now, no big act of God. It was the ways of God that started showing me his ways and how he speaks to me. And he tells me in Hebrews chapter one that he speaks to me through his word. And so, Lord, I need, I need some answers. Now, I'm not sure whether I should buy the blue car or the red car. No, those are things, okay, even with that, God can guide you. I want to, I remember praying. Um, the Lord, do I, should, I, should I get this car or this van? It was a minivan. We had four kids at the time. And um, it was something about the situation where I didn't get it. And it was just a small town. And I, I just turned it back in and turned the, uh, the dealer down. I just, something, I didn't, didn't want to get the car. Now, I don't know why, and I'm not saying God spoke to me. But uh, later on, we got a car that we put 200,000 miles on with very minimal uh, problems. But I was meeting a guy, he said, yeah, and, it was, and I recognized the car, and I said, did you buy this from so-and-so? And he said, yeah, and it's been nothing but trouble the whole time. I, I'm going, you know, there again, is why did, did God speak to me? I don't know, other than the fact that I know sometimes you just, if there's a hesitancy or whatever, then give God time. You know, whatever. Uh, and that's true with all of us. It, is, are there times when you know what exactly what to do? No. And did I, was I so spiritual that I just didn't get it? No, but I prayed about it. And it's interesting how God just didn't let it settle in my heart. But if I'm always looking for peace, like some people do, they never make a decision. So, you know, there's that balance there. And, oh, I'm still praying about it. Well, you've been praying for it for five years. When, you know, oh, uh, Will you marry me? Well, let me think about it. Um, well, that was two years ago, honey. <laughs> you know, uh, no, uh, you know, sooner or later you have to make a decision. And really even by that, it's pretty well telling you maybe you've already made the decision, right? So again, the, you do want that peace in your mind. And so again, um, that wondrous things out of your law. And then notice he says, hide not your commandments from me. 
Now, does God hide his commandments? No, but he puts them sometimes uh, under a little cover so that you have to look for them to appreciate them. Uh, it's, uh, and remember what the Lord says in Matthew 7, 7, the Sermon on the Mount? And I like this, A-S-K, that's the acrostic there. Ask, and it shall be given to you. So there's certain things you can just ask for and God immediately gives. Seek, and you shall find. So certain times you have to hunt for it. And then knock, K-N-O-C-H. But um, that is, that's the person who has to really go around hunting for it. And that's a commitment. You have to spend some time knocking and looking and uncovering things and not giving up until you get the answer. And so, you know, hide them not from me, Lord. If you are, if you got them under a little, if it's like an Easter egg, Lord, uh, you know, uh, even with that, direct my paths because I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now, when you say that, that's sort of what uh, the Lord blessed Jacob by saying with that, didn't he? Lord, I just can't let you go until you bless me. Well, uh, sometimes we go to sleep still thinking about it, but uh, Lord, I've just got to have it. And how many times does God change our lives by putting something in our lives that we, we, we search for for days? But when we get it, we see what God's been doing. And so ask and it shall be given to you. Knock and it shall, so Lord, hide them not from me. So he, what, basically what is he saying? Lord, show me where they are. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to keep looking around. Lord, let me know when I find it. So hide uh, not your, your commandments from me. And so uh, he says, um, why? Because I'm a stranger in the earth. Now, why is he a stranger in the earth? Should, uh, are we not pilgrims and strangers? today. Are we, this, the Bible tells us, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where thieves break through and steal and moth does corrupt. But he tells us that Christ, who is our life, when, we shall, when he appears, will we like him for we shall see him as he is. Should we not have a hunger for heaven? This old world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Now, that doesn't mean we're irresponsible here on earth. We're good to be good stewards of what God gives us. But it does mean, in that sense, that, uh, you know, there's something beyond this world. So I, I like what Corey Ten Boom said. Um, she, said she said that uh, whenever she really grabbed hold of something, the Lord had a way of prying her fingers off one by one until she gave it back to him. And so uh, it is in that sense, but also in the sense that uh, as I just, if I get comfortable in the world, then I know I'm in sin because certain things about the world should bother me. The way they cuss, the way they think in a lot of areas. I want to make sure that uh, I don't get into uh, things that are variable. I mean, my politics might be different. My football team might be different. But those are not things to be arguing about. Or what are, what are you ladies might be different, whatever. You know, your clothing styles might be different, whatever, you know. But, um, just, but whatever, those are not the things that we argue about other than, you know, godliness and ungodliness and modesty and immodesty and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but overall, you know, Lord, uh, 
I do feel uncomfortable around a bunch of unsaved people. Not totally uncomfortable because I got to work with them every day. And, I, and Lord, I need wisdom to know how to deal with this person that, man, uh, he's living with some girl and he's got three or four kids. On, you know, well, wait a minute. I, I'm not comfortable around a person like that, especially when he's promoting it to others and still talking about wild women and all this kind of stuff. I don't feel comfortable around a man like that. But yet I want to win to the Lord. And so, uh, or, you know, going to work and you just know, well, I can just tell the difference between or being around Christian people and unchristian people, can't you? There should be a difference. And there again, that idea cloud of witnesses here. You should feel a lot different in church than you do at Walmart. Just around the people, I mean. And so again, this idea that, uh, you know, my soul, it, it, you know, it longs. It, it, I mean, I'm a stranger, excuse me, back in verse 19. I'm a stranger on the earth. And don't hide your commandments from me. So Lord, keep me straight. Help me to realize in these situations what I've got to do. And then he says, my soul, my soul breaks. I mean, I really want your will. And my soul breaks for that person who doesn't know you. And I want them to know you. And it would be great to have a Christian atmosphere right in this office by getting two or three people saved. My soul longs for that. But he says, of course, what does the Lord say? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And what's the promise? You shall be filled. So when I direct my appetites or have godly appetites, then God can fulfill them and there, there gets back and gets back to happiness. And when God starts fulfilling my appetites, that's where true joy and happiness is. And so we see, excuse me, supplication, revelation, and then meditation. Look what he does in the rest of the section. He says, my soul breaks for longing for your judgments at all times. You, now, now notice he says, you rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. So Lord, I've seen you do that and you rebuke those people. But Lord, uh, I, hope I'm, I hope that I'm, as I'm praying to you that I'm not one of them. If there's pride in my heart, if there's something that will keep me back from hearing you, if I'm, an, if I'm regar regarding iniquity in my heart, I know that you won't hear me. You've already told me about that back in Psalm 66. So, you know, it's one of those things where, Lord, is my heart tuned up? Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune me up, Lord, to sing thy grace. So Lord, first of all, am I, uh, I know that you rebuked them, but also Lord, those who are causing me real problems, I know that you judge them too. So I can turn to you with the problems that I have in life, especially among people. And I like what uh, Walt Fremont used to say, uh, people, Circumstances and things are the three big problems you have in life. People, circumstances, and things. Can you think of anything else that can cause you problems in life? People are problems. types. <laughs> uh, circumstances, your car tears up. Or things of life. How do I pay for the thing that I got, or whatever? So, uh, these are all, you know, so Lord, are in any of these areas, 
if I'm proud, if there's something that you need to show me, if I've got a spiritual blind spot, then take care of it in my life. But also, Lord, I'm dealing with people that are proud. I'm dealing with people who are arrogant. And Lord, I need your commandments. I don't want to stray as they have strayed from, the, from you. Now, oh yeah, I really used to have a, a good buddy. And well, we did all kinds of things together and it was so great to be around him as a Christian. But he's been going astray. And I'm going to tell him, you know, I just can't go. We just can't do things like we used to until, you know, wait a minute. And of course, whenever somebody's got that, how can you tell anybody they got a bad attitude? You ever try to do it? I don't have a bad attitude, you know, <laughs> until God deals in their heart. Um, and so, uh, again, uh, and especially if you preach to them and whenever you're trying to say, you know, I just can't do this. And sometimes you have to walk away from your friends. But Lord, uh, help me to know how, help me not to stray from your commandments, even with people or the circumstances or the things of life. So you rebuke people like that. So Lord, I don't want to be counted among the people you have to rebuke. But then notice he goes on and he does talk about those. He says, remove from me reproach and contempt. Now reproach is disapproval. People that are looking down their long noses at you and you just tell you're not, or because you are a holy roller, they just can't be around you. Or a Bible thumper. Uh, there's a fellow who's a, uh, that is now the head of, uh, well, actually he's the Speaker of the House. But he is, I hope he is, from everything he has said so far, he is a dedicated Christian. And he comes out and talks about loving the Lord and different things he does. And he does it unashamedly. And the, the, the press is going bonkers over him. He's going to put us back into a theocracy and all this kind of stuff. You know, they're yelling and screaming about him. Uh, and they're so far away, you know, he doesn't even believe in adultery. I mean, what's wrong with this guy? You know, just on and on. Now, they don't say it that way, but that's what, I mean, he thinks he's so lily pure. No, he's just saying, this is what, this is the life I choose to live for the Lord. And oh, that just bothers him to no end. And so, and that's reproach. That's disgust with someone who's got a different uh, opinion than you do. But whenever, it's, whenever you sense that this is God's opinion and you want to follow him, you can expect people to think of you with reproach. They're going to disapprove of you. They're going to look down their nose and say, oh man, this guy's, uh, what is it? he's got religion or he's had the Jesus moment or whatever else or it's come to Jesus moment. Or, and I'm not sure I like those terms, but uh, I think you understand what I'm saying. And then the word contempt is scorn. That is, you're just worthless. And I'm going to do everything I can to tear you down emotionally and spiritually. You ever had anybody like that? I mean, they just cut you down. They want, so Lord, remove, you know, help that me, I'm talking about remove it, uh, help me to, to grow a tough skin. You help me to let it bounce off, you know, water off the duck's back or whatever. I'm not like that. Things get to me. How about you? Whenever somebody cuts, I bleed. Uh, what is it? Uh, a pound of flesh, as Shakespeare said in The Merchant of Venice. But uh, 
it hurts when people that you know, and some, many times the more you love them, the worse it gets, and they can just tear you to pieces. That hurts. And so he says, Lord, you know, help me to overcome it. Remove from me. Don't let the effects of it hurt me. And then he says, there's one other thing, and there's princes. Now, princes in the Bible, most of the time it means government. That means, you know, the king's assistants. Many times, of course, technically it means the king's son. But uh, also it means, you know, we talk about the prince of preachers or the, the you know, or, or things like that, uh, where it's the person who's really up there and they got, they're in authority uh, or they're very highly esteemed. Well, a prince then, if this is the case, can mean anybody that you highly esteem, but they're slandering you. That hurts too, doesn't it? When you got either government officials or uh, your teacher or some uh, popular person in school for the teenager, and they are slandering you or scorning you, it hurts. So Lord, can you teach me how not to let the reproaches of life and the people are saying all these things? You know, sticks and stones will break my bones and words will just about kill me, right? I mean, they call it what? Psychological torture or whatever now. But uh, we can, so with that though, Lord, I know the feeling from people who can do it and cut me down. So help me to be a builder. Help me to edify people. Help me to be a builder of people's confidences. Help me to be the person that uh, knows how to soothe the longing heart or the cut down soul. Help me to be an encourager. And so uh, again, we see, remove from me this reproach, this slander. This slander is different than gossip. Gossip is just passing on something true or false, knowing that it could hurt somebody. Slander is even worse because it's taking something that is true and twisting it with an intention to hurt somebody. Um, I think of, uh, and I, did I use this illustration, but I think it just popped in my mind. But, um, a man who was dealing with, the, he and his wife were dealing with a woman who really came from the wrong side of the tracks. And uh, she was getting her heart right with the Lord in so many different ways. But she still was rough, very rough in so many areas. But he and his wife were talking to her in the church office. And this lady just, all of a sudden when she left, she just was so happy with having guilt relief. And she just, she just out of nowhere hugged the preacher. And, you know, he made his wife, and, of course, he tried to back off and everything else. But, uh, by, but the church gossip passed by. And the next thing you know, this woman of ill repute and the pastor were hugging each other in, this, in the office. And what was that woman trying to do? She was trying to destroy a man's reputation. And of course, it, it was very easy to explain. I, and the wife said, you know, I was right there with him. I know what, I, you know, but there again, how, why do you have to explain things like that? I mean, you can't stop people. I've had people come up to me. I was at a funeral. I won't tell you which one, but uh, a lady after it was over with, she just came up and out of nowhere just, and I was going, you know, what do I do? Before that was out in the middle of everybody. But uh I don't want to get into all but, uh, you know, what's a good hug and a bad hug? I don't want to get into all that, but uh, you understand what I'm saying. But uh, you can take about anything and 
make somebody, you know, uh, you can take something that's true and make it sound very bad. That's slander when you do it to hurt somebody. Uh, just politically lately, there's uh, women, women against TikTok or something like that, but they quoted Hitler. And they were quoting him by what Hitler said and what he did to prove how bad he was. But the liberal press now is saying, these people quote, uh, and I saw it in the paper or in the, one of these news blurbs about some mayor that was agreeing with the ladies, with those women that were, whatever that group was called, I forget exactly. But the mayor who promoted these women who quoted Hitler won election. Well, why not? I mean, I mean, if you go back and look what he said, what they said, they were cutting, they were saying, really they were equating Hitler with what was going on in this country. And he said, we can't do this. And yet, no, he quoted Hitler, no, they quoted Hitler and they tried to cut the whole bunch of women down. And that's what the, that's what the press does. Taking truth plus error is always the most dangerous form of error. Satan was a master at it. Taking something that is so true, but putting a little twist in it. And all of a sudden, you got a whole bunch of error. Hath God said? And so the problem with Eve is that she added to it. Uh, we're not to eat of it nor touch it. So wait a minute. Oh, so he played on that. So he let her. He let her incriminate herself by, you know, by, or misquote the Lord himself. And he knows because God, uh, Satan knows the Bible better than most Christians. <laughs> you know, so he knows how to twist. Did he not use Scripture against the Lord Jesus Himself? So he's an angel of light. So we have to be careful with slander, and but slander is what things that hurts the most, because so many times it's the more true it is, the more it hurts because you know you said it, or you know you did it, but it was totally taken out of context. And oh, how do you explain things like that? That is very difficult. Then uh, you have, um, so he says here, uh, you know, I, won't med I want to meditate on this, Lord, that I, I just gotta, I gotta give you my reputation. You know that I've done everything I can and so if you'll show me something else to, to do, Lord, I'm uh, speak now, Lord, for your servant hears. But as far as I know, uh, I have to just trust you for my reputation. But then we see him meditate. Notice he says, but I'm going to meditate on your statutes. I'm not going to walk the floor worrying about what somebody says about me. I'm going to meditate on you, Lord. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed. Finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. I can't help. I can't stop it. And the more I try to stop it, the worse it gets because, as again, Shakespeare, he protests too much. You can't put out all the little fires. Sooner or later, God has to be the one who, who vindicates you. And so, Lord, uh, um, I want to meditate on your statutes. I want your testimonies to be my delight. Testimonies, remember those, that's the idea of what God has done that I've seen or that I know about. Testimonies of the Old Testament. Testimonies that I've seen even in my own personal life. Lord, I want to meditate on the good things that I've seen you do or I know the Word of God says you've done. I mean, uh, look what you did for Paul. You know, and even though, Lord, I want to learn how to praise you like he did. 
So you can go with things such as that. But he says, Lord, your testimonies, your word is going to be, a, a, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, help me to delight in you. And of course, Psalm 20, 27, 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Do I really believe that? Wait a minute, Lord, they're cutting me to pieces. Okay, can I leave that with God? Knowing that even if he, they do get me fired or whatever, then you've got something better for me. Now, I will try to defend myself if it's appropriate, but Lord, even with that, I need your wisdom and how to do it. It's one thing as a pastor, something that hasn't, you know, I haven't in years, I haven't seen it. But when you know somebody in the congregation is talking evil, evilly about somebody, or you know there's some gossip that's going around, and you can't put your finger on it, and you definitely can't, you don't know who did it. The more you try to find out, the worse it gets, because then you're the one who's accused of being the gossip. That is so, I've seen that. There's only been a two or three times in my whole ministry that's ever happened. But every time it's been that way. When I try to explain it or go to somebody who's not ready to talk about it, then they're saying, oh, you're just trying to pry. And I'm going, no, I'm just trying to find out what's going on, you know. And so that's only happened to, uh, in 40 something years now, it's only happened twice as far as I can even remember right now. But all oh, that hurts. And you just feel so unsettled. But yet, in that, that's where we have to go to the Lord and trust him. And then, and of course, I love it whenever people come and say, you know, pastor, so-and-so said something. And inevitably, it'll come out who, and somebody will tell me. Uh, and pastor, that was just so untrue. And I want you to, uh, and I hope you'll forgive me for even thinking. You know, is that music from heaven? You know, whatever, you know. Lord, thank you. You know, it's one of those things that, that you've said enough. I mean, you are, you are, you are forgiven. My own. And they become the even stronger church members or friends. But you have to wait on God to take care of it. And that's hard. That is so hard, especially when you do suffer the consequences for it for a short time or for a long time. And sometimes... I've known people that have had said things said about them that it can never be erased, even though they were innocent. Can I trust God with things like that? That's a hard one. Okay, so notice he says, my delight and then my counselors. Now, who's the, what, what did we find out the name of the Jesus is going to be or was? He is the, we've already seen his name was wonderful and we look at his wonderful, wonderful works, but he is also the, Wonderful counselor. And so where do I get my counsel? I get my counsel from the word of God. And there again in Psalm 119, he says in verse 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You're a light to the Gentiles. Lord, you are my counselor. And then um, in the Psalm or in Isaiah 9, 6, there's that again, his name shall be counselor. And does the Lord tell me that he will teach me all things through the, the Holy Spirit will teach me all things? So can I trust God as my counselor? Now, do you see why it's so hard to go through the whole psalm in one setting? I mean, here we go. We're, we're just like we did last week. And I only spent eight verses. But isn't that good stuff? I mean, just good, good counsel that we get from the word of God when we meditate upon it. 
when we really dig into what those words mean, rather than just, okay, there's, a, there's word, there's uh, commandments, there's statue. No, wait a minute. Each one of those has a specific meaning. And I'm meditating on how this word is to change my heart. And this is a prayer. I could pray this prayer right here. Because, and, if I, and if I'm praying the word of God, God hears me especially if I'm committed to doing what it tells me, and that is, Lord, I'll keep your word. Isn't that good stuff? I don't know what to pray. Okay, let's get in here and pray right here, you know, and just pray the words of God. Pray the word of God to God. Okay, any comments or questions about what we looked at tonight?